Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Opus Wealth Style Podcast. My name is Yvonne Watanabe. Uh, I'm glad to be here with everybody. Today we're going to have a fantastic guest, Julie Harnick. Uh, Julie is a wonderful leadership coach and I'm really, really excited to have her on today to talk about um, some pretty important things that we've been having conversations about over the last couple of weeks. Hi, Julie. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we can start, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, um, sort of what you're up to these days. Tell us a little bit about your, your company. Kick it off. Absolutely. So I help leaders find comfort in the inevitable discomfort that comes with business growth, career advancement, and an ever-changing world. And that final piece, I think, is becoming more and more important as we continue through this time as we, I don't know if we're emerging from this time yet, whatever that is. And I do that through one-on-one coaching. I do that either through a career transition context or a leadership context in one-on-one coaching or workshop design and delivery for teams big and small. That's awesome. And how long have you been doing it for now? I've been doing it for about five years. I have a 15-year background in media marketing and technology. And I just got to a point in my career where I was like, I don't know if this is fulfilling me anymore. And the Mm. thing that I know is we spend a lot of our time working, especially in American society. We work a lot. And so I think it's super important that work works for us. And for me, I loved my career. I had some incredible challenges, projects, adventures. And then it just got to a point that I was ready for something new. So about five years ago, I started peeking into this coaching world, this leadership world, culture change, things like that. And I've been doing it full time for a little bit over three years. Oh, that's awesome. I, you know, I love that. I, it's important that work works for us. I think that has been an incredibly common and important conversation or question that people have been asking themselves over the last 18 months and something that you, it sounds like you went through five years ago, which is, you know, this isn't necessarily working for me anymore. It's not that I'm, you know, completely unhappy, but you know, what do I want to see next? And, you know, I'd love your take on what kind of conversations are you having with folks over the last, you know, couple of years and, and how do you get them to think differently than than what they're thinking about now? Yeah, I think what happens, I tend to work with people that have been working somewhere in the 10 to 20 year range, right? So they have experience under their belt and they have a long road ahead of them in their careers. And so they reach this point and they go, wait a second the 20-year-old me or the 18-year-old me or the 22-year-old me who made a choice to go on this journey, that's not who's here anymore. And is this what I want? And sometimes in my case, for example, it was the first job I could get out of school, right? And then one job leads to another, leads to another, or 
I liked this course, or this is what my parents did. And then as we get more life experience, and also as our priorities shift, right? So maybe in your 20s and early 30s, working 24-7 worked for you, but now you have kids, or you want to have kids. And so, or you want to travel more, or you want to whatever it is. And so it's, how can I make that happen. And I think especially over the last 18 months where the lines have blurred between work and home, people yeah. are asking that question more than ever. Yeah, it's it's really, really funny. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with folks that are like, yeah, you know, tell me a little bit about your career. Well, I, I got this job out of school. And the next thing I knew, 15 years later, I looked up and, you know, I'm, I'm still in the same career. I never thought I'd be here, never thought I'd still be in this city. And, and now, you know, I think uh, the circumstances have really forced people to look at life a little bit differently, or a lot of people have started that way. So, you know, what when people start to identify that they're not happy, or they they would like to pursue something different, how do you help people get clarity on what that next step may look like? When people come to me, and they're like, all I know is that this isn't working. I don't know what would work, right? That's an, often a place where people start. Sure. And sure. in that first conversation, I say, well, what, what do you know? And often they know more than maybe they've allowed themselves to say. So that's where I like to go and get curious. So if someone calls me and they go, I just know this isn't it. One, Some of the places to look is if you were to wave a magic wand, what would it look like? Even if it isn't, I'm working in this kind of job, what does it feel like? What What's the experience you're having? Other places to look is, well, what were you dreaming of when you became an adult? And I'm based in New York City. I work with clients all over the globe, but a lot of my clients are in New York. And a lot of people come to New York with really big dreams. Yeah. And often slowly, kind of when we're not paying attention, things start to chip away at those dreams. (laughs) So going back in time and saying, well, what were you dreaming of? And seeing what from that still exists within you can be another place to look. And then the third place that I often go is, so in the work you've done for the last whatever years, what is the work that when you go to do it, you lose track of time? What is the thing that you can do hours on end And it really drives you because what we enjoy doing and what we're good at doing isn't always the same thing. So when we look at what we enjoy doing, where we naturally use our talents, that's when we tap into flow and we can lose track of time. And that's a great clue as to what kind of work you can find really fulfilling. I really, really love that. So what type of responses are you getting? I mean, are you getting answers from when I was a kid? You know, this is what I thought I would do. And I'm super curious to find out more about what what folks are sharing with you. By asking the question through the frame of when you became an adult, you kind of remove that. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be, uh, you know, <laughs> you you have those, jo- those jobs that kids dream of. And sometimes I love it when I meet someone and they're like, you know what? I wanted to be a vet and now I am a vet. (laughs) And then it's a whole different conversation, right? But then you have the people who, okay, well, when I came to, when I became an adult, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be the CEO of a business. I wanted to, you name it. And 
that's where it's interesting because I think at that point in life, you have a little bit of it, of, of that experience, and you haven't seen all the realities. And there, and I'm not saying that we just live in this world of possibility without taking into account the realities. There's some, you know, there's some real stuff there. But then it's about, well, what was it? What was interesting about it? Another big piece to look is when you spend all your time in one field, you only know that world. And often in talking to people, you point out, oh, well, it sounds like you could also do A, B, and C. And a lot of times people just don't even realize it. And then they get to go off and have conversations, learn about other fields, and start to tell a story about how what they did in their originating field could apply somewhere else. I love that. Yeah, I had this con- when I had this conversation with folks or clients of mine, you know, I always recommend them to, th- to think about what are their non-negotiables, right? What are the things that they absolutely need out of whatever this next job is? Because the, the, the reality is that there's so many different fields or careers that, you know, lend itself to that same fact pattern, right? But they don't even know. So I, you know, I always try to think about, you know, I, I've got to try, you know, I really want to have flexibility in my schedule, unlimited income potential or whatever it might be, or just, you know, being able to leave at three o'clock and shut it down. Like whatever that is, that's your non-negotiable. You can really find a lot of different things, but you're right. It's having those conversations to be able to figure out what those opportunities look like. If you've been a lawyer in corporate, you know, law for the last 20 years, right? It's really difficult to find out what, what could possibly be next. Yeah. I love, I love that you just said that because I think one of that highlights a myth that I hear a lot with my clients. So one of those myths is, well, I can't ask that of a new employer, right? I could leave at three where I am now because I've given them seven years and they know me and they trust me. And one of the most amazing things to witness is when someone joins somewhere new takes a stand for what they need in order to be an incredible contributor to their team, and they see people respond to it. And what we're going through now is this incredible time where leaders of companies are really starting because they've had to, right, in the last 18 months, open themselves up to other ways of working. And what they're seeing is that it, it can work, right? Two years ago, everyone working from home would never have been a priority for the majority of organizations. And now they're saying, oh, that is possible. Time shifting your hours is possible. And now people as employees, as business owners, whatever it is, they now have more insight into what they need to work well. So when you put those two things together, I think having those non-negotiable conversations it's such a prime time for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hired an assistant who works remote during COVID. And I don't think, I think it had, had I hired her previously, I would have made it a requirement for her to come into the office five days a week. But she's working wonderfully from different states getting to enjoy time with their family. My clients are happy. She's happy. We have a great relationship. It's worked out extremely well, but it sort of forced me to think differently. Yeah. Right. But she, I also, when I started looking for candidates, she was very open and honest with me, which was helpful to hire her because I had, I, you know, hired her and she said, yeah, I could come in a couple of days a week. And then really it shifted on me. It would have been a little bit more 
difficult to, to interact versus saying, here's exactly what I want out of a candidate and the candidate saying, here's exactly what I want out of that role. And I like, I like that dynamic these days, which I don't think that existed in the past. I mean, you would know better than I would, but I feel like it's really shifted. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think a piece of that is there is so much movement in the job market right now. So everyone gets to say what they want and they need and explore the people who could bring that to the table. I think the thing that you said about that candidness and that honesty, your assistant clearly knows how she can deliver in her role. And I think that's another really important piece. Even though we've worked from home, it doesn't work for everyone. So I also think as the candidate, now's also a great opportunity to say, so what do I need to be productive, to reach my goals? What kind of structure both in the people I work with, in the environment that I work on. Um, And if you haven't taken some intentional steps to see just opening a laptop at home doesn't mean it's going to work for you. There's a lot of information, a lot of tools out there about how to do it. Because for a lot of people, the last 18 months, it wasn't something they were used to. And it it took an adjustment. Right, right. So, you know, let's imagine now you've helped Oh, client of yours sort of figure out what the role looks like. What does applying for jobs in this market entail? What are what are the challenges or the opportunities that exist today that maybe didn't exist 18 months ago for applying for new jobs? So one thing that I think is super true, and it's been true for longer than 18 months, is that because of technology, things like LinkedIn and Indeed, it's easier than ever to see where opportunities exist. I remember when I was in school and I was looking for one of my first internships, I bought a book that looked like a phone book and I (laughs) flipped the pages to see what companies had internships. I can't even imagine doing that now. So it's really easy to see what's available and it's really easy to apply. So then what ends up happening is hiring managers drown in resumes and they're not always Mm -hmm. anywhere near relevant to the job that they're looking for. So it creates this weird system. And I think if I could solve that for my clients, we'd all be better off. But that's the system we're working in right now. I ask my clients to do things through a couple of different lenses. So one is, I don't know if you're familiar with the statistic, a lot of my clients are women, not all, but women tend to only apply for jobs when they meet 100% of the qualifications. Men will apply when they reach 60%. So one thing that I want my clients to do when they're reading job descriptions is to just read the description and say, is this a job that interests me? Does this sound like something I could want to do? Before you look at, if you can check the box on all the bullet points on the bottom. That's the place to start. And to and when you're really stuck in what could be next, is to go on a little bit of a journey, read different job descriptions, think of companies you might want to work with, think of jobs you might want to do, and just start really reading it. And if you get stuck in, do I meet the qualifications? You're not going to pay attention to what they're actually asking you to do. And that's where I want you to start. And once we have that, we have some fodder to work with. The other piece, again, a lot of my clients have been working for a while, is to use your network. Wherever I can, I encourage people to have conversations, not just hit click on LinkedIn. Playing that LinkedIn game of applying and waiting for responses, I think is an enormous waste of energy. So what I want people to do is say, well, who in my network knows this company? 
knows these people. And so often mm. when we think about networking, and if you could see me right now, I'm doing the air quotes, that we only think about the people we've worked with before. So another thing is, well, who, who haven't we thought of? Our <laughs> cousin's husband, the mom who's cheering at the soccer game, you know, the person in the book club, and really starting to say, who else is in my world that may either be in another industry or know someone in an industry who I can start to have conversations with? Because I think so often opportunity comes in who you speak to and who you connect with. Now, Speaking of the last 18 months, that can be harder, right? We're not doing as much in-person gathering with people we don't know very well. In doing that, it is about reaching out, asking people to have a virtual coffee, have a, a phone call, things like that. And, and that can take courage and, and guts to make those asks. But once you start doing it, many people realize how comfortable it is. People love to talk about themselves, right? So often he, people want to share their journeys and that's a real place to have a, a juicy conversation and start to explore. It's, you know, it's not as casual as maybe it was when we were doing a lot more in-person stuff, but there is a way to do it. I love that. I think, again, you just got to sort of adapt, but you're right. I think people, people really do I think at the core, love to talk about themselves and like to help people in general, um, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. So, so let's say I, I apply for this job and I get it, right? Mm -hmm. I get the job. I've got an interview. How do you, right now, most interviews are taking place virtually. Can you share some tips on, on what you're sharing with your clients on best practices for acing an interview virtually these days? Yes, absolutely. So you send in your resume or you have your soccer mom friend connect you to the hiring manager and now you have the interview. And whereas we used to get dressed up and get there early and all those things, a lot of that is less relevant. So there's a lot to keep in mind when you're having a virtual interview. So the first thing you want to do is test your technology. So especially if they are asking you to connect on a platform you're not used to. So make sure you set some time, maybe ask a friend the day before to meet you on that platform, just so that you know that it works and that you're comfortable with the experience. And hand in hand with that is making sure your Wi-Fi and all of that works. Here's the thing also, we all know that there's unexpected circumstances that may show up in a virtual interview. The doorbell may ring, the dog may start barking. To the extent that you can, make best efforts to eliminate those things, right? So if you have a partner, have them you know, be responsible for the kids so you don't get interrupted. Put your cell phone in another room so it doesn't start ringing, things like that. And know that if something happens, We've all been in this experience for the last 18 months. Uh, it shouldn't hurt you too bad. But you want to make those best efforts and show that you are making those best efforts. You still want to dress, you still want to dress professionally. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, wear we, pants might be a good place to yeah, start. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think even if something's not going to be on screen, if it makes you feel confident, if it makes you feel like you can sit up straight and put your best foot forward, go for it. Even if it's the first time you've put on shoes in a month. <laughs> you and just like in the, just like any other interview, you want to show up prepared. You want to have practice. You don't want to be reading off your notes, things like that. 
I think there is just as far as paying attention to space, you want to pay attention to lighting. A very easy thing to do is to face a window that gives you very nice natural light. You want to make sure that you don't have an unmade bed behind you. The best thing to do is if you have something to put up so that people aren't distracted by what's else is in your room. You want them focusing on you. And the more that is in that little square, the more options you're giving them to focus on something that isn't you. Mm-hmm. And finally, eye contact, you know, we're not doing that handshake in person. So eye contact replaces the handshake. So you want to keep that in mind. Remember that when you make eye contact through a computer, it's when you look through the camera, not at your screen. So one thing I do when I'm leading virtual workshops is I'll take a post-it note, I'll draw a pair of eyes, and I stick it to the back of my computer so that I remember, if not always, at least occasionally, to make eye contact with the camera. Oh, I love that. That's that's a great idea. Yeah. My biggest, my biggest pointer, and I am amazed 18 months in that more people don't know this, is to turn off your self-view. So especially on Zoom, I know you can, if you click on your name, you can turn off self-view. This doesn't turn off your video to the person you're interviewing, but it turns off your ability to look at yourself. So go on, check, you know, make sure it all looks good on your end, but then turn that off. And what that does is it keeps you from messing with your hair, you know, being so preoccupied with yourself, which is just the way our brains work, where our attention is going to be focused and allows us to be with the other person on the video call. That was a lot that I just threw at you. (laughs) Yeah, no, those are, those are all super valuable. I mean, I, I, this, this turning off the self view, I didn't even know that was an option. So I'm very excited to try that out today. And in in a non-interview standpoint, it's also great because we talk about Zoom fatigue. A lot of that fatigue stems from the energy that we put into constantly looking at ourselves. So Mm. even if you're listening to this and interviewing for a new job isn't on the horizon for you, experiment with turning off your self-view and see how you feel at the end of the day. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. You know, you've given such great advice so far already. And again, a couple of things that I'm going to take away personally. What's one thing as we kind of wrap up that you want to make sure the audience leaves with? I'm going to say two things, one sort of on a on a bigger level and one on a very tactical level. The bigger level, I just want to reinforce, start with what you want. So often in this conversation, we start with the details that what we can do, what we can't do, start with that wave your magic wand. What would I want? And go from there. And then from a tactical standpoint, I want to just talk about resumes for a second. A resume is not, the goal of a resume is not to get the job. The goal of the resume is to get the interview. And people look at resumes in six seconds and decide if they want to talk to you. And That is, I think, something to keep in mind when you're putting your resume together. What does someone's eye go to? What is the big takeaway in your resume? That's huge. That's huge. Well, Julie, I really, really appreciate the time. I know the audience uh, got a ton of takeaways from this. Where can they contact you? Where can they find more about you and your your practice? Yeah, so I want to invite your listeners, one, to come to my website, www.julieharnick.com. In addition, if you're interested in getting some of my resume tips, if you text LEAP, L-E-A-P, 
to 66866. Then I will send you some big themes around putting your resume together. Awesome. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for the time. I really, really appreciate it. It was great having you on. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff. I could talk about it all day long. Awesome. Awesome. And to you, the listening audience, we really, really appreciate you. Please make sure to click subscribe below so that we have future podcasts. uh, You're notified. Talk to you all soon. Be well. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Opus Private Client, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Yvonne Watanabe, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, Securities Products and Advisory Services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Compliance Approval 2021-124570 expires July 2023.